0: In this week's episode of Holistic Health Chats, I have the amazing Alex from Nutrition Moderation on the show to chat all things fertility awareness method and ovulation. We cover what fertility awareness or FAM is, how to do FAM accurately, the benefits of FAM, whether or not you are wanting to conceive, as well as how to troubleshoot ovulation. If you are currently looking for non-hormonal birth control options, are wanting to conceive, or just not sure if you're ovulating at the moment or not, this is an episode that you won't want to miss. Before we get into this week's episode, if you are currently wanting to get personalized advice to support you with your nutrition and hormones, the best place to start is by booking in a complimentary consultation. In this 15-minute consultation, you'll meet with me and we will discuss your current health goals or challenges, what you can expect from consultations, the likely timeframe that... You should expect for us to achieve those goals together. And of course, we'll have time to cover any questions that you might have. If you're happy to go ahead at the end of the consultation, then we do book in a time for your initial consultation, which is where all the fun begins. But equally, if you feel that you need a little time to think about it, then that's perfectly okay too. There's no pressure. To book in a complimentary consultation, all you need to do is head to selenedouglas.com forward slash links and navigate to the book section, which is at the bottom of that page. Or you can go and have a look in the show notes right now of this episode, and there will be a link directly for you taking you to my booking calendar. I hope to meet you soon. Hi, Alex, and welcome back to Holistic Health Chats. Hi, I'm so excited to be here and to chat with you today. Yeah, me too. So if anyone that hasn't heard Alex's first episode, I can't remember what number exactly it is, but go back and have a listen to that. It was all about what to do if you're planning to come off birth control and sort of how to navigate that time period so that you have the smoothest possible few months coming off. So if you are someone that's looking to come off birth control or curious about that, definitely go back and have a listen to That episode. But today we're talking about something a little bit different. So we're talking about alternatives to hormonal birth control and also really delving into fertility awareness method and ovulation.
1: Yes. I'm really excited to be talking about this. I know you and I talk about hormones all day long and specifically a lot of the clients I see are all about coming off the the pill mostly and what to do after the pill and how to come off the pill and just how to balance hormones and what to do and i know it can be very confusing for a lot of people who aren't in this space so i'm really excited to dive a little bit deeper
0: yeah amazing so just to start out with what are our obviously we're going to focus on fertility awareness method today but what are our all our options really when it comes to non non non-hormonal alternatives for birth control?
1: Perfect. I. It's so funny that you say that I just did a podcast on this uh, on my podcast as well, diving into all the hormonal, non-hormonal, the, uh, the pros, the cons. I like dove deep into all them, but a quick overview, the most popular would be the birth control pill. So you can have the the combo pill, which is just typically what a doctor will prescribe. And then you also have the mini pill. So the combo pill or the birth control pill has your estrogen, synthetic, and progestin, which again is a synthetic form of progesterone. So you have that option. And then the the mini pill is progestin only. So that's an option, super common. And that one is hormonal. And then you have other hormonal types like theirs. The patch there's the ring there's tons of different stuff there's the depot shot there's the rod which you get implanted in your arm so these are all hormonal options that again give you that estrogen and progesterone or the synthetic progestin and it supplies your body with synthetic hormones another super popular one is the iud mm-hmm. so with the iud you can have Mirena, which is hormonal I'm not sure if it's called something different in Australia. No, we have, have we have the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So you have hormonal and then you have non-hormonal, which would be your copper IUD. Mm -hmm. So again, I won't dive into all the the pros and cons, but a lot of people tend to be drawn towards the non-hormonal as they're learning all the side effects of the, the different hormonal options. But with that, I wouldn't say that the copper IUD, which is the non-hormonal is for everyone because it does provide some cons as well. So it is not for you if you have a heavier cycle or you're prone to heavier bleeding. If you have any heavier, more painful periods, I wouldn't recommend the non-hormonal IUD, but a lot of people like it because it's kind of like set it and forget it. It's just there and it does its thing. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to remember to take a pill and all that stuff. And then non-hormonal, the most common would probably be condoms. And then, mm-hmm. of course, you have like diaphragm, sponge. You have all sorts of different, different options that aren't as popular, there's like spermicidal gels and and all sorts of that stuff that I don't typically recommend. So I typically recommend fertility awareness method. And then if you're trying to prevent pregnancy, combining it with condoms or even abstinence during that fertile ovulation window, but my two go-tos are fertility awareness method and uh, condoms, essentially just keeping it easy and simple.
0: Yeah, definitely. I like that. they definitely non-invasive. And I think whilst the copper IUD is non-hormonal, I think we talked about this last time, there are some problems with it. And I think, of course, we are probably more biased because we do hear the not so good stories. We see people that are coming to us for help with these sorts of things. So I'm definitely aware that a lot of people are really, a lot of women are really, really happy with their IUD. But I think there is a bit of a problem with that set it and forget it type mentality, right? Because We hear not too (laughs) infrequently that, you know, it can dislodge and move around and things like that. So there needs to be a plan in place. Like if, if you are getting that and you're happy with your IED, that's amazing. But you need to, even if your doctor hasn't recommended or your gynecologist hasn't recommended, I would be going back and asking for it once a year or something to have it checked and check where it is because like those things can move around in your body and it can become a real like horror story when they do. So you just want to make sure that there is a long-term plan in place, I guess, for that. But anyway, we're not focusing on the IUD today. We're talking about fertility awareness methods. So do you just want to talk us through like an overview of what that actually is?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. so, uh, I just want to mention a quick too with the, the IUD, our body is not used to having things in our body. So you hear yeah. all these horror stories about rejecting it, like you said, and and all these things. And same with the, the rod and the arm. It just seems so unnatural to have something like that. So the body can reject it, which is terrifying. And then yeah. that set it and yeah. forget it. It's not good to have your body on autopilot. So what we'll talk about in the fertility awareness method, one of my big pros is actually listening to your body and seeing the signs and symptoms. And I think that's a huge mm. positive effect because hopefully we're moving in that direction where we're reading our body a lot better and we're tuning in kind of like intuitive eating, just paying attention to what your body needs and wants. And so for me, that's a big pro and a big con with some of these IU dates with these IUDs, sure, it's set it and forget it, but you're not, then your whole body's on autopilot. You're like, okay, well, I don't really have to worry about, you know, tracking my cervical fluid or, you know, how am I feeling today? And and all that stuff.
0: Yes, so, definitely.
1: <laughs> with that, the fertility awareness method, there are about like six different types. There's like symptothermal method. There's just your BBT. There's justice billings. There's tons of them. The one that I like to use has three markers. So, with the fertility awareness method, if you're using it correctly, it can actually be effective up to 95 to 99% with typical use and then about 80% with, sorry, with typical use and with correct use. So, you're doing it correctly, you're practicing it often, that 95 to 99% effectiveness. So very, very effective, similar to your birth control. You know, if you forget a pill, then it decreases. So it's kind of on par with the pill. Mm -hmm. And then there are three markers to track. So for someone just starting out, uh, you can start to take notes or just listen and just kind of tune in. This is what I tell my clients. So first and foremost, we'll start off with the signs of your body. So cervical fluid, or cervical mucus, whatever word you prefer. So this will change through the different phases of your cycle. So I'll kind of walk you through the cycle and how it changes. So when you're not ovulating, this would be post-period slash follicular phase. Hormones are low, it's typically dry. So, and what I mean by cervical fluid too, even just backing it up a step, this would be the fluid or the mucus that is in your underwear. So when you go to the bathroom every morning and you wipe or you might notice in the middle of the day, if there's some discharge in your underwear, that is cervical fluid for someone who's like, wait a minute, what is she talking about? That's what I'm talking about. So I know for some women, this might be embarrassing. Maybe they've never talked about it before, but this is so, so normal and it happens to everybody. So just start to pay attention. So during this phase when you're not ovulating, it's typically dry. So some days you might notice nothing's really happening. It's very dry. So this would be right after your period and also can be right before your period as well. It can be pretty dry. After that, as we're kind of halfway through the follicular phase, as ovulation is approaching, estrogen will start to rise and your cervical fluid becomes a little bit wetter creamier milky you know kind of that milky and white in color and then as we head into ovulation which for some women so this would be kind of middle of your cycle give or take day 14 to 17 uh, but we'll talk about how to track this with fertility awareness method so during ovulation your cervical fluid will be more slippery stretchy that egg white consistency watery so if you were to check between your fingers, you should notice if you were to pull apart your fingers, they would become stretchy. So just think egg white means ovulating. Mm -hmm. So anytime it's, it's kind of that wetter consistency, slippery, stretchy, that is ovulating. So if you're looking to get pregnant, that is what you're looking for. If you're looking to avoid pregnancy, this is the time when you would want to use another method like condoms or Abstain. Mm -hmm. So, if you're looking to not get pregnant, and then after ovulation, you should start to notice some changes there as well. So, as your hormone progesterone rises, your fluid becomes a little bit thicker, a little bit stickier, tacky, kind of pasty. This is almost like the lotion phase. So, maybe today, as you're listening to this, or maybe tomorrow, you're like, okay, I'm going to make a conscious effort to actually check. So my homework for whoever is listening is just to start to pay attention as you go through the phases during the next month of your cycle, just start to pay attention. As you get better at fertility awareness, then you'll start to track. If this is totally new to you, maybe if you're still on some sort of hormonal contraception, just start to pay attention. So during menstruation, obviously you'll be bleeding, so there'll be no cervical mucus or cervical fluid. During your follicular phase, it'll get creamy, a little bit more wet. During ovulation, it's that clear and stretchy. And then during luteal, right before your period, it'll get sticky, tacky, and thick. And then next, we have the cervical position. So when you're ovulating, so there, when you're checking your cervical position, this would be when you stick two fingers up the vaginal canal and you check the cervix position. So this again might sound intimidating, but just start to get comfortable with your body and just see what's going on. We're starting to, you know, pay attention to what's going on. So when you're ovulating, the body is so fascinating. Your cervix nice. <laughs> higher, and becomes more soft, wet, and open. So right now, as you're listening, if you were to touch your cupid's bow just on top of your lip, that is how your cervix will feel when you're ovulating. So again, soft, wet, and open. After ovulation, during the luteal phase, when you're no longer in ovulation, There's no longer a chance for pregnancy. Your cervix will typically feel firm, low, and closed, kind of like the tip of your nose. So just as, again, some homework, just start to get comfortable with your body. This might be something that you try and get more comfortable with. And then you have those markers, so kind of like the top of your lip and then the top of your nose just to to start to pay attention. And again, in an app, you can track all of this. Mm -hmm. So that way you know what's going on and you can start to pay attention there. And then lastly, this is probably talked about a lot, is the basal body temperature, AKA BBT. So this is your temperature upon waking. So before you do anything, before you sit up, before you get up, before you go to the washroom, grab a glass of water, before any of that, What you're going to do, your alarm goes off in the morning, grab your thermometer, and the thermometer I'd recommend, have it be specific for basal body temperature. So this means uh, two points past the decimal point, so you want it to have that extra reading just so it gets super specific. And then from... So how this works is from menstruation to ovulation, these are going to be your lower temperatures. So if you're tracking it like a chart, there's a few apps. I personally use Kindara. It's super easy. I'll talk about some more tech after I go through the temperatures. So it should be between 97 degrees and 97.7 Fahrenheit. If you're in Celsius, that would be 36 to 36.5. And then right after ovulation, you'll start to notice your temperatures rise. You might even notice in this phase, your body feels warmer as well. So typically during ovulation, in traditional Chinese medicine, this is a warm phase. So also side note to eat more cooling foods, but that's a whole other topic. So right after ovulation, your basal body temperature will rise to 97.8 and above or in Celsius that's 36.6 and then it will remain high for the rest of your cycle and then drop again during menstruation. So with that, if you're going to start practicing the fertility awareness method, those are the, the three things to track. So cervical mucus, cervical position and your basal body temperature. I recommend doing all three. At this point right now, I mostly do the basal body temperature and the cervical fluid. And at the end of the day, if I'm going to really, really pay attention to one, it would definitely be cervical fluid over the basal body temperature, just because the basal body temperature, your temperature can change with so many things. Mm -hmm. So let's say you got a cold, you're traveling, you know, change in diet, change in exercise, you drink alcohol, any of those things coffee, your adrenals are shot, your thyroid, you know, all of a sudden you have thyroid dysfunction, your temperature is going to change. The Mm. cool thing though, about BBT is that once you track patterns for three months, you can actually pinpoint if all your temperatures are super low, then that's an indication to get your thyroid checked. Absolutely. Exactly. If your temperatures, I'm sure you talk about this with all your clients. If your temperatures are scattered, like up, down, up, down, up, down, that's a sign to get your adrenals checked, get your cortisol checked. And so I like combination because I do like to have all the the detail and all the data on my life. You know, when I do travel, how does that change? When I change time zones, how does that affect my ovulation? So with basal body temperature, it happens, the change in temperature happens after you have already ovulated. So it basically confirms ovulation if you've ovulated this can change though so in order to do this as a method that would be a higher effectiveness you would have to do it for three months or more get that data (laughs) and then if this all sounds like way too confusing work with someone, there are tons of educated practitioners like Mm -hmm. myself and yourself who know this, who read charts, who see clients every day, who have seen hundreds of clients with all sorts of different charts. And they are getting better too with all the um,
0: devices and things that you can get. Yeah. 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 So, Yeah, definitely. I think I, my approach normally depending on how, because all client, all of us um, humans (laughs) are unique little snowflakes, but some clients will be, you know, like, okay, cool. Give me all the things I'm ready to do, all the strategies I'm all in. Whereas other people learn all of this and it's like, whoa, that feels so overwhelming that I have to start noticing my cervical fluid. I have to check where my cervix is and I have to track my temperature every morning. Like, oh my God, I'd don't even know how I'm going to remember to do all of those things and some people can find it really overwhelming which I understand and I think the the initial problem really starts with well we should be learning this and hopefully maybe schools are changing now but we should be learning this when we're like 12 so that by the time we get to the point where we want to have a baby or it's really important for us to know this information it's not like oh my god I have to learn all of these things and I'm really stressed but That's a conversation for another day. What I was going to say is I think the cervical fluid is the most important place to start when it feels like there's a heat to do, or if you feel like, wow, that sounds overwhelming to do all of them, I would just start with that one. And the reason is because it's easier to remember, like just pay attention. And the way I like to explain the ovulation feeling or the the feeling of cervical fluid that happens before ovulation occurs is like even to simplify it further, like it feels wet, basically like it cold and wet yeah. is basically like if you're walking around and just Bring awareness to literally like, how does it feel in my underwear? Cold and wet is Mm -hmm. basically the gist of it. And then you can obviously like check that more in depth and pay more attention to that. But just bring that initial awareness, I think is a great place to start. And the other thing is that, of course, like you mentioned, your temperature doesn't actually rise until after ovulation. So depending on your goals, whether it's fertility or wanting to avoid pregnancy, of course, I think you really, yeah, you eventually need to sort of learn to combine the two, I think. But the cervical fluid side of things is incredibly important if you're wanting to conceive because obviously that's going to precede the actual event of ovulation, which is when you're most fertile.
1: Exactly. Yeah, just pay attention, and yeah, exactly like you said. As you're walking around, some women know when they ovulate as well. Some women get uh, middle schmerz, which is the the pain during ovulation. So if you're someone who experiences, I never say that word. <laughs> cramp, yeah, <laughs> say it really fast and really confident. <laughs> um, if you experience that, you'll know that's when you're ovulating. And then even something that a lot of women can relate to is like, oh my gosh, it feels like my period just started but mm-hmm. you're not getting your period. That's just the cervical mucus yeah. or cervical fluid that you'll that you'll notice. It's kind of that like drop and you're like, oh my gosh, did I start my period? And you go and check and there's nothing there. That's your cervical fluid. So just that feeling. And like you said, yeah, if you just notice like it's a little bit slippery, it's wet, that's when you're fertile. So anytime you notice cervical mucus like that, you're typically fertile.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's something to pay attention to whether you're looking to become pregnant or looking to avoid pregnancy for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And on the app side of things, I always recommend Kindara as well, actually. So it's good. We both do that just purely (laughs) because I don't know if other apps allow this, but I know with Kindara, they've got a practitioner portal set up. So we can actually send you an invitation via email if you're a client of ours, which allows us to access your temperature data. And that's really helpful because if you track for a couple of months, we can actually share screen with you in appointments and like talk you through your data and what it means. Because I think with the temperature side of things, I don't know if you find this, Alex, with your clients, but initially mine are like, okay, great go away and do it for a month or two. And then they come back and they're like, I have no, I don't get it. What does it mean? You know, like it looks really confusing because it's such a small variation in temperature and being able to identify that shift between follicular and luteal phase for a lot of people, because it is such a minute change in temperature. Like we're talking 0.3 to 0.5 of a degree, which so not even a whole degree in temperature. It is such a small shift that it's really helpful to be able to have someone pull up your chart with you and actually explain what you're looking at.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. And then I know you just interviewed someone about the Daisy. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. She's actually bought that practitioner, Nat Kringadis. She's actually bought Daisy Australia. So she bought the Australian Mm -hmm. arm of the company. There's another brand that has something similar, which I have completely forgotten the name of it which it will come back to me. I was trying to remember it while we were talking, but it's a similar type of device, but it's a armband. So it basically goes the around. To, that's right. You know, yeah, that's, that's the, one. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I find that can also, either one of those can be a really great option for people. I think people find the armband maybe more uh, convenient because it doesn't rely on you Needing to remember first thing in the morning when you might be tired and sleepy and not realize. And I think, sort of, demographic, it can be really helpful is people who wake up in the night, whether it's mums or whatever, who have kids and they're, you know, it's just much more convenient for them to wear something like that to bed. But for anyone that doesn't know, both of those devices basically take out that guesswork for you, I suppose, in the basal body temperature tracking. So the armband is a sensitive temperature tracker, which is reading your temperature during the night. And then it feeds that data back to an app on your phone and essentially tells you when you're fertile and when you're not. And the daisy does a similar thing, but it's a uh, sensitive temperature device, which you still have to place under your tongue in the morning. I don't have experience with the temp drop, but I do have a daisy and they're amazing. I really, really, Really love mine. I've had it for ages now. And I think they're great. Like they're an investment, but I think they're, they like they come back in dividends, I think, because they help to give you that. I think it's really still important to get in touch with those physical signs that your body is displaying, because that's just a huge issue for us all in general is that we've become so disconnected from our bodies. So I love that these apps exist and these devices exist, but I think that we need to not allow them to become sort of a, a thing that's going to let us off the hook and s- allow us to sort of uh continue with that disconnection we have from our bodies so identifying those symptoms is a really really important part of just understanding your body it's it's like no different really from going like am i having a bowel movement every day like am i constipated did i like you know those yeah. sorts of really basic things like if you were not pooing every day, you'd probably be concerned and would go and talk to someone, right? But we kind of don't really pay that same level of attention to our hormones and our menstrual cycle. So I think those symptoms are really important regardless of whether you're using one of those devices or not. And what you said earlier about needing to allow three months, I believe, at least with the Daisy, I'm sure the temp drop is the same. You need to allow that three months anyway, before you're really relying on it as a form of contraception.
1: Mm-hmm. And then there's a new one too called Ava.
0: Oh, I haven't heard of, that, haven't one. Heard of that
1: one. No new one. And now there's like tons of new ones where uh, it connects through Bluetooth. And there's uh, one that you actually leave in the vaginal canal overnight. That one. I don't yeah, know. About. I don't I,
0: think I would do that, but any yeah, devices I, that have to be near no. us during sleeping <laughs> or inserted in us. I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah, um, we're headed in the right
1: direction. Yeah. but I don't know with like the more data driven, but I don't know if I would, you know, do something like that. I but wouldn't, yeah, no. <laughs> temperature and, and uh, I just have the old school thermometer. It was like $10 on Amazon and I just put it in my Kendara and chart that way. But I'm doing more research into the temp drop in Daisy. So if I
0: get the temp drop, I'll let you know my review. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) We'll have to, yeah, we can do a sort of an episode on that one. Just quickly as well, how, like, I know it would vary from female to female, but how many days are we actually fertile for each cycle? So say like you are using one of these methods. I know we all have a different cycle length as well. So let's say like the textbook 28 day cycle, which like nearly none of my clients have, but anyway, (laughs) let's say that one, how many days out of each cycle are we fertile versus actually able to, you know, I guess, able to have intercourse without falling pregnant?
1: Mm hmm. Good question. Because a lot of people actually don't know mm. that the time you can actually get pregnant is so small. Yeah. It's so <laughs> tiny. And you take a pill for months and months and months and women are only actual, actually fertile for the uh, 12 to 24 hours compared to men who are fertile every day. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, so your egg is only fertile 12 to 24 hours, and that's how long it survives for. If it's not fertilized, it will essentially disintegrate. But the ovulatory phase can typically last two to three days, sometimes even going into five days. This is the symptoms that you'll notice so sometimes you know your skin will get glowier your mood is boosted you feel more confident more chatty your brain is super sharp you feel really outgoing so those symptoms give or take typically two to three days sometimes two to five and this again is around that the 12th day to the 17th day give or take. This will obviously depend. If you don't have a 28-day a cycle, this will change. Again, talk with your practitioner to find that out. You can use uh, the ovulation strips, the ovulation predictor kits, the LH strips mm-hmm. to pinpoint that day. Uh, talk with your practitioner to see when that day is for you. Again, using fertility awareness method, you'll be able to pinpoint your ovulation day. Yeah. But Uh, With that being said, then, yeah, so two to five days, give or take, but you're only fertile that 12 to 24 hours, which is surprising. Most people don't know that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I guess um, another point there is sort of the whole point of that stretchy cervical fluid that you're noticing in the lead up to ovulation is really there to help the sperm basically get to the egg, but it can also help the sperm survive in the you have little crypts or basically like almost like caves I suppose within the vaginal canal where the <laughs> sperm can sort of gel with this fluid and then hide in those crypts until the egg is ready and available um and then it can fertilize so when they say that you know you're fertile for say it's I think I often see like 5 to 7 days as the as the sort of estimate but I always say to my clients like yes that's best case scenario but in reality it's like much shorter than that. And I don't have the percentages in front of me, but I think it was from a paper I read recently that was showing basically the percentage decline of sort of uh, the, what am I trying to say? The, The likelihood that you would fall pregnant, how it declines based on how far away you get from that actual release of the egg and that actual ovulation event. And so basically, let's say it's like, and these stats are incorrect because I, you know, I'm just basing it off my memory, but you know, you've got a hundred percent on that actual window and then it's kind of like declining. It was like by 30% every day that fell outside of that. So yeah, that's really important to point out as well, particularly if your goal is to fall pregnant, like just how important and critical that window really is.
1: Yes. Yeah. And you want to be doing it before as well. Yeah. So the body can also hold on to sperm for that five days So if you're looking to avoid pregnancy, sometimes they'll say seven days because, you know, you could have sex and then the body holds on to the sperm and then you're fertile and and all this stuff. So seven days is kind of like if you're avoiding pregnancy, Mm -hmm. I would, you know, extend it a bit just for safety purposes. But um, if you're looking to fall pregnant, then for sure paying attention to the cervical mucus and then wait, you know, having sex before that time, as you start to notice the changes in cervical fluid shows up, then of course, you know, start to have some fun and then the body will hold on to that sperm and and ensure that, that you'll fall pregnant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now I wanted to shift gears a little bit because a lot of obviously people that come to us, May be unsure if they are ovulating. So, step one, like we've talked about, is obviously identifying that. But let's just say it's not occurring. A, can you use fertility awareness method? And B, what sort of things are we starting to rule out or address, I suppose, if we've identified that ovulation isn't occurring? Mm-hmm.
1: Good question. So, even just starting off with the basic cycle, the menstrual cycle, Even it just being called the menstrual cycle makes you think that the whole point of a woman's cycle is menstruation. Yeah. But, (laughs) and then ovulation just kind of gets forgotten about, unfortunately, because this is such an important part of the cycle that I feel like is not really talked about unless someone is trying to fall pregnant. Then we'll start talking about it. But it's like, yeah, how come? you know, we don't really talk about this with our young women, you know, of the ages of 12, when we're getting our period, it's like the, there's so much emphasis on your period and, and how to, you know, not love your period and just deal with it and get through it. But it can be so exciting. The whole menstrual cycle, all four phases are so fascinating. So quick overview of just all the phases. So Mm -hmm. you have menstruation, obviously, which is your winter phase. So your body is a little bit colder you know you like warmer foods this is typically uh, three to seven days so starting when you're counting your cycle this would be day one then you have the follicular phase which is spring seven to ten days then we get ovulation so this is middle of the cycle summer that three to five three to seven days and then we have luteal which is kind of fall and that's the 10 to 14 days so that's kind of a little bit of the the overview if ovulation is not occurring. It could be for a few different reasons. And again, so talk with your practitioner who's educated. If you feel like I'm coming off the pill or looking to fall pregnant, and I don't know if I'm even ovulating, I don't know anything about the cycle. Don't rely on your app because your yes. app is not your body. <laughs> so first and foremost, apps are great for a lot of things. Uh, you know, you, And it's great to see when There is that ovulation window, but it's not your body and only your body can tell you when you're actually ovulating. So cervical fluid, uh, you can get the LH strips as well just to see. But with the LH strips, they're super wonderful. But just because you see a surge in LH, same with tracking your basal body temperature, doesn't mean you ovulated. This is why cervical fluid is important because that's kind of like the only thing that will tell you when you ovulated. So definitely a combo of things, but just start to pay attention to the cervical fluid. Why ovulation may not be happening. So I'll go over some reasons and we can chat about them. You can chime in too if, if I didn't uh, touch on one that that uh, is on your mind. So illness, so any type of like cough, cold, before ovulation, it can delay your ovulation. This can mess with your temperature as well. It can prevent ovulation altogether. If you get a cold after ovulation, it's not likely to to mess with any rest of your cycle. But if you get, let's say, a cough or cold or some type of illness, it can delay ovulation or prevent it. Uh, Ovarian cysts are a big one, which I personally... Had my fair share with. So, this is actually one of the most common causes of temporary anovulation. Anovulation just means no ovulation and also irregular cycles. So, think of uh, the PCOS girls or any women just who have ovarian cysts without PCOS as well. Travel, something that most people don't think of. Sure, it's super fun to travel and super great, and you can become relaxed afterwards, but it does take your body a while to relax on vacation. I think it takes your body three to four days to relax once you get on vacation, because when you're traveling, you know, hopping on an airplane or packing your bags or all that, stress can actually delay ovulation or uh, stop ovulation as well. Exercise, so any heavy, intense exercise can also delay or stop ovulation. This is typically with women who are very intense athletes like runners, swimmers, gymnasts, ballet dancers as well. So any really, really intense exercise along that same note, weight gain or weight loss. So in order for a woman to have a healthy cycle and healthy ovulation, you need to have a BMI or a body mass index between 20 and 24 and at least 22% body fat. So you wanna make sure you're getting enough calories and enough healthy fat. If you're on a low fat diet, on any type of diet, whether it's keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, and you're not getting enough calories, this can actually cause you to lose your, your ovulation. So if you're someone who's looking to get pregnant, then start paying attention to what you're eating. You might need to increase the amount of food that you're eating, your healthy fat, your protein. Also on the other end of the spectrum, if you're looking to avoid pregnancy, this does not mean go really hard at the gym, work out really hard, under eat. I'm not giving you permission to do that at all. Um, Stress and adrenal issues kind of touched on that one. And then medical issues like hypothyroidism, PCOS, which we talked about, endometriosis is a big one hypoprolactinemia, and primary ovarian insufficiency, aka POI. Would you
0: say that you see the same thing? Yeah, I don't think you left anything off. That was a very extensive list. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're, I'm sure people are probably listening and being like, oh my God, there's so many different things. But I think that's where, and we'll touch on this with addressing it, the 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 anovulation, but that's where working with a practitioner is the best thing to do at the end of the day because you just rattled off. I didn't count, but I'm going to say... 15 or more different things. Right. And it's really confusing when you start Googling and kind of wondering like, okay, well, I've got a couple of those symptoms and a couple of those, and maybe it's that, and, and it can just be really overwhelming. And I guess our role as practitioners is to kind of look at your symptom picture and also the timeline of events, like a really comprehensive medical history is really important because it helps us to identify kind of those red flags, and then we can generally like isolate. Well, it's most likely that it's one of these five things. Let's just one by one start to isolate those. And look, sometimes it's really obvious. Like I've had clients before where they have amenorrhea obviously they're not ovulating if they don't have a period and you can quite clearly see that you know they have a history of doing fitness comps and that kind of thing and you're like okay cool we don't need to I know what the issue is you know and it's very very blaringly obvious but sometimes it does take a little bit more digging to kind of identify what that key I guess root cause is
1: yeah 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 work with a practitioner get blood work Uh, If it comes to it as well, the Dutch test is super wonderful to see. There's tons of different tests, whether you do the full month or do the shorter, the Dutch complete is super wonderful just to see, okay, where's your stress? How's your sleep? Where are your hormones? Are you ovulating? Where's your estrogen? Your testosterone is
0: super, super helpful to see that picture. Yeah, definitely. And just a side note, I guess, because we often talk about, which hopefully we've, been able to communicate that ovulations obviously not just about pregnancy but i think even when we are talking about it sometimes it it's hard not to or continue to talk about it in the context of wanting to conceive but There's so many health benefits for your long term health. Like, even if you never want children, you should care about wanting to ovulate because, you know, the increase of ending up with something like osteoporosis, which is basically where you um, lose bone density and bone mass. And, you know, that is, you're going to, you're essentially going to cut years off your life. It's very, Mm. very serious. Like, that's some really key reasons why you should care about having as many menstrual ovulatory menstrual cycles as possible throughout your life so it really doesn't matter if you want to fall pregnant or not learning whether you ovulate and unpacking that and also yeah working with a practitioner if you're not sure is just so important like I think it's one of the best things you can do for your overall health and I guess my hope for the future is that we end up teaching young girls this in schools much earlier so that we're not like we're not having these conversations with women when they're like 35 and they're like, wait, what's day one of my period? <laughs> and like no fault of ours because we're not just not taught that, right? Like it just baffles mm-hmm. me sometimes, even when I talk to IVF clients and they're, I'm like, How are you at how how are we at this point and y- you don't know? what these things mean. Like it's just anyway, again, topic for another day, but it's mind boggling that there's just huge education piece missing.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad that you put emphasis on that because we do need these hormones and it is very unfortunate that we do kind of just shut it down with the birth control pill and it causes a lot of nutrient depletions, including folate, which you need yeah. for a healthy pregnancy. I mean, again, yeah, whole other podcast episode, but yeah, we need to make our own estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, LHFSH for brain health, mental health, preventing Alzheimer's, you know, preventing osteoporosis. Like these hormones are important. And I'm sad that we're not taught in school how awesome bo- our, bodies our bodies are Yeah, to, to yeah, do all this. And yeah, it's yeah. super fascinating.
0: I still, I mean, I'm, I'd like to say it's changing, but to be honest, like I still hear all the time from clients that might be going back to their doctor to ask for, you know, thyroid testing because they've got heavy periods or whatever it is that we're looking at. And for reference, like thyroid testing in Australia is a little bit more difficult to get put through the government system for free, as it's probably similar for you. And so often with anything like that, the doctor will just be like, oh, why don't you just go on the pill? And it's just, it just really makes me so angry that where the conversation is still like, it's nothing, you know, like it's just this really benign just take a pill every day and it'll balance your hormones. Like I still hear that all the time. Oh my gosh. That saddens me very yeah, much. It's quite and it's <laughs> no. like it's quite frankly like it's a lie. It's not actually true. So anyway, again. I keep, I digress, but anything else, Alex, that you wanted to add to the conversation or just, um, direct the listeners to where they can find out more about you or get in touch with you. For sure. Um,
1: do you want to touch on, do we have time to touch on how to get ovulation back or is that
0: something that they should just work with us individually? I think, look, up to you. And if you have some way to summarize <laughs> that really well, then let me know. But I think based on what you listed and just all the different variances in what it can possibly be, the best thing really is to work with a practitioner, in my opinion. But what do you have to say about that? Perfect.
1: Uh, mostly just eating enough, getting in your healthy fats, yeah. relax, Breakfast. <laughs> relax. Yeah. And then tailoring it, you know, especially herbs and supplements, I don't want to mention super specifics. Yeah. So definitely work with someone who's educated on this, who can put you on the right supplements to get your ovulation tip top shape, especially if you're, if you are looking to conceive, you know, you want to make sure you're, you're on the right supplements, especially if you've been on the pill and you've been depleted from a lot of these key nutrients. And then yeah, you can catch me online on Instagram and TikTok at Nutrition Moderation. My website is nutritionmoderation.com. Uh, I have the podcast as well, Holistic Women's Health, which I've interviewed you on, which was super fun. So if you want to check that out as well, I'm hanging out on all those on in all those spots.
0: Amazing. Good on you for getting on the TikToks. I haven't even <laughs> delved into that. I've never downloaded it. So maybe one day we'll see <laughs>
1: it's a Blast! it's, but it, it does suck up all your time, but it, yeah, it's like little bits of knowledge if you're hanging out in the right corners that you get yeah. in like, you know, 60 seconds, which is super cool.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time, Alex. I've loved this conversation just as much as our last, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that all the listeners will get such incredible value from you. So thank you so much. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Holistic Health Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, as this allows me to help more women just like you. Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice. So please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selenedouglas.com forward slash book for more information.